This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it's Kurt with a late last minute show ad. I'm going to be in Philadelphia October 13th to the 15th at Helium. Philly, I'm coming back. It's going to be fun. I'm doing stand-up. We just added these dates, so come out and see me. Uh, You know, it'll be a a very fantastic time. Link in the bio and all that sort of thing. You know what I'm talking about? All right, man. Oh, Critty B, I think I'll start this one. Uh, you know I love these days. It's just, uh, it's like a little vacation. <laughs> it is like a little vacation. Here we go. This alarm clock inside a living room wall has been ringing for 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that is my total nightmare. So, all right. The clock is ticking and it's time <laughs> to rise and shine for a brand new episode of Bananas. Bananas. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. I am sitting in the same room as a man they call Scotty Landon. That is right, and I'm sitting in the one and only Kurt Brownoller's garage. We're recording in person for maybe the fifth time besides our live shows ever. This is... This is strange. It is strange. This is... I haven't been not on stage recording a podcast with you since... Maybe like March 8th, 2020. Pretty wild, but also eventually Exactly Right's going to have a studio and all of our you and me's, all the solo epis that the Bananas just love (laughs) will be in person and so handy and make our lives so lovely. I do feel like we don't know where to look. We're used to looking at at screens. screens. Well, also in life, grown men don't look at each other when they talk to each other. That's why we go fishing and play golf and stuff. Because we can look out at something and I do, yeah, like... At a party, I do like a game that I can just like, we'll play a game. We can continue to talk while I play the game. Yeah. We played a game once at your old place when you were living with Oren and Yair and all those guys that it was like a party and nobody was communicating and you were definitely there, but it was in the kitchen. I just put a ladle, a soup ladle on the ground and we invented a game called Cork and Ladle where you stood across the room with wine corks and you had to toss them and try to land them in the ladle spoon. And it went from like, what is this idiot doing to five or six people competitively playing cork and ladle. So shout out to all the cork and ladle heads out there, (laughs) all the soup heads. Uh, I'm happy we're in the same space for this right now, Scotty, because I have have a very exciting announcement. Oh, good. Tell me. Uh, So remember, do you remember going to Denver? Uh, Love Denver. And I recorded a new special. I remember that well. The theater was great. You had multiple Charlie Formages. I did. August twenty, August of 21. 
You recorded it. That is when I recorded it. And yes. it is finally coming out. What's a big deal? It's coming out uh, starting right now when you're listening to this. October 7th, it went on pre-sale. Okay. You can watch it at moment.co. Mm-hmm. So if you go to moment.co, mm-hmm. I'm up there right now. Oh, cool. Um, it is a place. So it'll just be live online for two weeks. Oh. And watch it. It's $10 if you buy the pre-sale. Amazing. 12 bucks if you get it day of. Fantastic. It's coming out October 27th, and I couldn't be more excited. Well, I couldn't be more excited. And as I recall, you did two tapings, and there were a lot of bananas there. There were a lot of people in bananas costumes there. That mm-hmm. was like fresh out of... That was when people were like creeping back out into the world post-Great yes. Quar. And it was fun. That was a lively one. We actually like slid right in right before Omicron. It was yeah. like when everyone had already like either gotten it or been vaxxed. Yeah. Uh, I don't even, the OG. Yeah, the OG. <laughs> well, that's so exciting. Are you excited? I can't wait. I'm, good. I'm very proud of this hour. It's so um, good. I think it's got a full, like it has an emotional reason for existing. Yes, it does. Also at the same time. Being very heavy with jokes. Oh, yeah. It's it was full. packed. It was a full hour. It's There's no doubt about it. I'm sure you had to cut. And Jonah Ray directed it, right? And Jonah Ray directed it. That's right. You might hear some crying. That's Zelda. Yes. In our constant normal state of crying about something that I don't know. First time recording with a dog in our presence. I had an incredible morning. You did? I was driving to go to the bank. I still go to the bank. People say, why don't you take a photo of your check or whatever? You go inside the bank? No, the drive-thru. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy the drive-thru. Me too. I like a little errand. I I wish they still had the... Oh, the, the tube? The tubes. The speed tube at mm. where my parents went in Maryland when I was a kid, I think it was Susquehanna Bank, they would be like, oh, you have a kid in the car? Now, what's a normal food to send to a child at a bank? Lollipop. Right. Flat lollipops. Flat lollipop. That classic flat yep. green, red, orange, yellow lollipop. Fits in a pneumatic tube well. Not at Susquehanna Bank. They sent pretzel rods. <laughs> So if at best you got one broken in half, at normalist, uh, just pieces of pretzel flying out of your mom's cash sleeve. <laughs> that is so funny. So also the the idea, because you know it was motivated by one person high up at the bank who's like, these kids having too much sugar. Mm-hmm. Give them pretzel mm-hmm. rods. Also, I love a Snyder's of Hanover pretzel rod, but not at 95 miles an hour in a U-shaped tube. <laughs> That smashes to a stop at the bottom. So anyways, I'm going to the bank in Atwater, and I'm on Riverside, and I pass the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. I put two videos in the stories, because it's so rare to see them. It's very rare to see it. Um, And so I whipped a U-turn, a totally illegal U-turn on Riverside. As I'm whipping the U-turn, I notice a California Highway Patrol chips motorcycle cop. (sighs) already writing a ticket to somebody and he looks at me like you lucky bastard and i just gave him like a nod like see ya and i then- gotta go to this oscar <laughs> meyer wiener mobile sorry copper i'm chasing a wiener and i caught up to it and i followed it for a stalking amount of time probably two or three minutes because the music kept getting better on my on sirius xm where i was just like cracking up it was like an outcast song and then it was like a new wave song and i just kept recording this thing and i realized that you know one it was my dream i did reach out to them and applied and i didn't get it in 2020 but it is it makes you happy when you see the wienermobile it makes you yeah. so happy so i have a question for you since you've seen it in person 
where like how much does the wiener where they sit come out past where the seemingly wheel parts is right great question um well articulated (laughs) (laughs) uh they they, know where the wheel parts they drive in one tip so the drivers are in the front tip and then there's some windows on the side but then the back there's probably three or four foot of wiener hanging off the back for real yeah probably three feet so it's pretty compact so the driver is the driver is over the wheels absolutely a driver is over the wheels at the front okay tip of the wiener uh it was great it just like it i was like this is the greatest promotion of all time i sent it to uh i when i put it in the story people were responding like what is this and i was like how do you know what this is is this a couple canadian bananas had no idea what the wiener mobile was oh they're canadian so i said i said it's the wiener mobile (laughs) it's a wiener mobile of course it is yeah anyways it was a great start to my day when you see a giant driving wiener mobile Mm -hmm. before 10 a.m you're Mm -hmm. having a day Mm -hmm. a great day day. and then you were like do you want to record in person i'm like hell yeah dog all right let's do it let's get into one this is from isa cormier um this was in uh, Vice Magazine, Vice.com, written by River Donahue. Oh, River Donahue. You know, some people say uh, from Vice.com that mm. River Donahue mm-hmm. is the best in the biz. I have heard this. This alarm clock inside a living room wall has been ringing for 13 years. Wow. Wow. It, it goes off once a night, every night, forever. And I'm just, a, I'm admiring yes. the battery craftsmanship yes 13 years yes ringing once a night non-stop and also is this a practical joke what has happened here let's find out a family in ross township pennsylvania has been living with an alarm clock routinely ringing inside the wall of their home since 2004 wow 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 CBS Pittsburgh reported this. Uh, They've been patiently waiting for the clock's battery to run down ever since. Oh, ever since Janet Jackson's boob was mainstream news. Oh, boy. Okay. River. River, you lost us with that. (laughs) But could be a guy, could be a gal, could could be a them. We don't know about River. Yeah. Maybe medium is in the best. But so far, it's been going strong. A guy named Jerry Lynn is responsible for said clock being stuck behind said wall. Whoa, they actually know. Okay, I'm so excited. Keep going. As he and his wife have been living with this uh, incessantly beeping mistake ever since, Lynn explained on Thursday that he dropped the alarm clock down through a second-story air vent tied to a string, hoping that the... hoping that its sound would help him figure out where to drill a hole for his TV cable. Oh, that's the weirdest way to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's the craziest way to do You don't have a stud finder, bud? I know. <laughs> just just take a chance. Take a chance. You, but also... <laughs> also, to right. do that, to do that, to go, I'm going to send my little sonar system down. I'm going to listen through the wall where it goes. The, the number one skill you need to have, not tying. You need to be able to tie a good knot. Unfortunately, Lynn's household ingenuity didn't extend to not tying. The clock slipped from its harness and fell into the wall's abyss. Quote, all of a sudden, I heard it go thunk, and the clock came loose, Lynn told CBS. I thought, well, that's not a real problem. It's still going to go off. And then it did. 
That's a weird way to say it. I think he was saying it's not a real problem because it's going to go off for a little bit, but then it kept going forever. It continued to go off every evening inside his living room wall forever. Lynn figured that maybe three or four months it'll run out of battery, but the clock has since lived on. <laughs> During daylight savings time, it goes off at 10 minutes until 8 o'clock. So that's like... I guess that's okay. That's, that's better than 3 a.m. That is the best time for it to go off. Right. Uh, during standard time, it goes off 10 minutes to 7 o'clock. So his plan was to drop it into the wall, run down the stairs, <laughs> and then wait for 8.10 to come. <laughs> yeah. And then listen to the wall. I guess we know what time he was going to drill that cable wire. He was trying to catch some must-see TV. Um, It's not clear what brand of alarm clock was trapped inside the wall, unfortunately, since the clock's 13-year battery life would have made a great campaign for Toshiba or whatever. Or whatever. Come on, River. (laughs) River, tighten up over there. Also, Toshiba's not going to be my first go-to for an alarm clock. No. I don't even know anymore, but there was that one brand that we all had. It was a digital alarm clock. And big was, numbers? Yeah. Big. Sony. I was a Sony. Yeah, it must have been a Sony. Yeah. Though you're talking about big flat face in the from the like late nineties. Yeah, there was that one and then there was a flat one that had fake wood paneling over it that oh, was right. digital too. And I think that was a clock radio. But anyways, um now everybody looks at their phone. Mm-hmm. Even before the alarm goes off, everybody just gets up and looks at their phone. I started wearing, during the pandemic, I started wearing a just a normal watch, mm-hmm. just a regular dumb watch. And I loved it. Yeah, you're back. I'm you're back. into the watch I'm life. I'm back into the watch life. I don't well, know Well, that's why. cool. And for all the bananas out there laughing and screaming at their speakers, yes, Lynn could have probably cut into the drywall and taken care of this nuisance long ago, but he and his wife apparently have come to terms with their sometimes beeping home. Um, and then there's a link to something else that says homeowners have been known to deal with worse. And that is true. Oh, of course. That's true. It's not black mold. I would have guessed it would have run out in a year. I can understand what they were thinking. Yeah. But it's been like 18 years or something. 13 years it's been? (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, every morning, uh, my across the street neighbor, you can almost see their house. Can't wait. Uh, he sleeps with his windows open, and he has an alarm clock. And I know recently that he got a new alarm clock um, because he then disappears okay. for days at a time. Uh-oh. Leaves the window open. Yeah. And doesn't turn the alarm off. Yeah. So from about 6 a.m. <laughs> to like 8 a.m., it's just the same alarm. And it used to be like a yeah. meh, 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 mm-hmm. which is very annoying. He got a new alarm clock <laughs> maybe six months ago. So now it's just like... Oh, boy. And it is such... And it's it's just... Because you just hear it as you're like walking down the street. And it's just like he leaves... I, I'm assuming he leaves other than that. Or or he's completely unconscious in his bed. While <laughs> yeah, the hardest sleeper ever. Yeah. Yeesh. When I was uh when I was a young a young banana at um Camp Pu- Camp Putok, the greatest campground in Moncton, Maryland, we all of the words are weird. I know okay. Moncton is actually so beautiful, but I was at Camp Putok, and I lived in the teepee encampment, which we had to build on day one, set up the teepees. Okay, huge. So it sleeps three cots. There was a little fire. You were allowed to have a fire inside. In, yeah, when I was like ten or eleven or twelve, probably eleven. 
And but when there were huge thunderstorms, they would be like, "Guys, seal up the teepee. We're going to go sleep in the chapel." So there was like a little chapel that I don't even know what it was for. So one night we do that, and it's guys and girls, and we're all having so much fun. And I stepped back and on one of the sleeping bags, and I heard a crunch. And then later on, this camp counselor named Joe, who was the best, he was like a really nice guy, older guy, uh, came in and he's like, "Who broke my uh, travel alarm clock?" And I didn't fess up and nobody did. And it was clearly me. I knew it was me. And I was like, yeah, I was like 11 years old. uh... It was on a sleeping bag and pillows, but we were all just like running around goofing off and flirting and being kids. And, but I just didn't fess up. Right. So, because you knew you could not be caught. It was definitely me. Nobody saw it. Nobody heard it. I felt it on my foot more than Mm -hmm. anything. So, but then Joe is like, who is it? Who did this? And nobody fessed up. He's like, this, like, I've traveled with this for like 10 years. Like, this, I really liked this thing. Like it meant a lot and I could see it. Uh And then suddenly I was so overwhelmed with guilt. I was like, shit. So everybody lays down to go to sleep and it's raining, thunderstorms. And I'm lying awake because I'm a kid and I knew I'd done something wrong. And now you're going to hell. Yeah. And I'm surrounded by really like funny, weird kids from all over Maryland and Pennsylvania. And they're all snoring and sleeping and being kids. And I'm just guilt ridden. And I'm like, I need to say something. So in the middle of the night, when the rain finally stops, I venture out. And I don't know what time it is, but probably two or three in the morning. And I'm looking for Joe. The rain has stopped. And I see him sitting in the camp truck, which was like a pickup truck. Clearly, he had been smoking joints. Clearly, as high as a Georgia pine. He was and the truck was called the Enforcer because it was just rusting. It barely held together, but it never died. Mm-hmm. And he saw me coming. And as soon as I started talking, I started crying because I was a little kid. And I was like, Joe, it was me. I broke your alarm clock. And he's like, hey, Okay. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I, it was an accident. He goes, okay, okay. And like, again, just reeking of weed. Yeah. And he but go- you didn't, at that time, like, you just knew he smelled funny, right? Yeah, like, I didn't, didn't know, know what, what weed was. smelled like. No. Like, yeah, yeah. Something's yeah. but I don't know what. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those smells. And um, so he's like, tomorrow we need to make this right. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? You know, this is a grown man talking to an 11-year-old yeah. in the wet woods at 2 a.m. after admitting his guilt. And I was like, okay. And he goes, we need to do a sweat lodge. And I go, okay. I didn't know what that meant. Uh-huh. So the next morning, we all went to lunch and every our breakfast. And, and then Joe came over. And there were a few um, Native American counselors there. And he was like, come on, Scotty. And we walked out just shallow into the woods, and they had a sweat lodge that they had built with a like a four like a six person tent with a bunch of tarps over it. And we all crawl in. He's like, "Bring a swimsuit," and like five of us get in there, and they just somebody a shovel comes in with like a glowing red rock and lowers it down, and they start steaming it, and putting sage on it, and all these things. And then Joe just forgave me, and the other old counselors told me it was okay. And then we sat in there for thirty five minutes, forty minutes, then ran and jumped in the pool, and he's like, "It's all good now. It's all fine." And he let me go, and he never brought it up again. And I thought it was like the nicest way but he was like we just have to make this right and so we sweated it out and he forgave me in front of others wow wow what a crazy story it was nice though yeah i'd forgotten it and then when i saw this i was like yeah i did break that and it was just like a nice thing to do he could have been like 
your parents are going to buy me a new one or you're going to stack firewood tomorrow. Instead, uh-huh. he was like, let's do the most chill thing ever yeah. and just sweat out these blues. Also, what a pleasant what a pleasant way to, <laughs> in his mind, he was just like, I got an excuse to go take a nice sweat tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. He told the head <laughs> of the camp, he's like, sorry, I got to handle something huge. <laughs> Because to me, it doesn't seem like a huge infraction. To you as a child, it yeah, I felt guilty because like I lied too. Right, because you lied too. I guess maybe that was it too, as well. Where it's just like here at camp, we need to keep the keep the code of honor yeah. strong. Was <laughs> it at long uh, sleepaway camp? It was a week. You could do a week or two weeks, but yes, I'm not Jewish, so my parents did not send me away for four weeks to eight weeks, which all my other friends did. They were just gone, and Uh then their parents would just party like hell. It was Camp Aerie and Camp Louise. Those were the two big ones. I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to send my kids to camp. Yeah. I got to find a good one. Uh, You ready for one? I would love it. Here it comes. Gold Coast woman has last laugh at her own funeral. Oh, good. That's the way to do it. We've had we've had funeral pranks before, and I do appreciate it. Me them. too. And this one's great. This one was sent up by Nathan Edwards. Thank you so much, Nathan. Uh, it was in the old classic. Scotty loves this website. Oh, yeah. He's always talking about it. 10Play. I love 10Play.com. 10Play.com. Written uh, by... Mm. Ooh. Oh, come on, 10Play. No author, not even, not even a place where a byline could go. That's how good ten play is. Yeah, ten play. It speaks for itself. We play it ten times. We don't give credit. Prominent nope. uh, Gold Coast. I what? I don't know if this is a Australian way of saying things, but I'm just going to start in. Here we go. Gold Coast identity and much-loved businesswoman Michelle Newman was farewelled by friends and family after losing her battle with cancer. Sad. But a strange sentence. Uh, Farewelled. Farewelled. Yeah. Okay. Newman, Mm -hmm. known for her wicked sense of humor, treated mourners to one last prank on the day of her funeral. Great. Mourners looked to the sky to see a light plane flying over the service, (laughs) towing a banner that read, I'm watching you cry harder. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. Concise, really good. Mm -hmm. Wow. She had a great sense of humor. Right? And everyone was like, oh, that's classic Michelle. Uh, they described their mother as a strong, quick-witted, and savvy, strong, quick-witted, and savvy business woman. Absolutely, will always be remembered as a loving and affectionate socialite. She had a wicked sense of humor and a laugh that would fill the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a, pra- a practical joker who acted like a teenager among her friends and lived life to the full, whether it be skiing, surfing, jet skiing, or hiking. Wow, she also had a fond love for cooking as well as cryptic trivia and sudoku puzzles she really sounds like the coolest person that ever right lived. i mean <laughs> banana of the week for sure <laughs> what you just described my obituaries are going to be like lived life 50 percent to the fullest <laughs> skiing surfing jet skiing <laughs> hiking <laughs> this is a person who would i would get along with very absolutely very well. the australians they they, they come different mm-hmm. um, i love that so much what would your I, I feel like you told me once that you wanted your funeral to be you buried up just yes. ass up. Yes, my head underground like an ostrich and then prop my body into downward dog and then everybody can kiss or kick my ass or slap my ass. That That's actually a good um, headstone. Yeah. You should get started on it. 
Sure. You got to find somebody. Clock's ticking. Because <laughs> to find someone who, I wonder if a, yeah, you got to find a cemetery that will allow you to have that type of headstone. That'd be great. Yeah, because you don't want your rotting pants out in the sun. No, I would do want to be cremated or turned into a tree. I think that would be cool. That'd be very cool. Um, or um, I used to joke that I wanted my right hand bronzed so that people would when they would come in they would have to shake my hand before entering wherever whoever whatever family member kept that so they'd be like you want to shake uncle scotty's hand and then you just have to shake my hand before the ghost of me haunts you forever um but yeah and then you would be in the hand would that would be great if like your if your ashes were in the hand oh that's a cool idea yeah i I had a roommate i was i think it might have been zane my crazy roommate once and he was just annoying me and i was like zane when i die i want (laughs) I want you to take my body and hand feed it to a great white shark <laughs> just because I wanted him. And he like he took me very seriously. I was like, I want somebody to bring a fish in so the shark opens its mouth. And then I want you to look at me and then throw me in there. And he was like, oh, OK. I think it was just my way of like over confusing him to the point of leaving me alone <laughs> when my passive aggressiveness wasn't working. Oh, man. I want to... I'm trying to think about mine. This is what I think. First off, it's, I want it to be a party, definitely. 100%. You always want it to be a party. 100%. Which is nice. Those things usually do turn into a party. Oh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> So I've always thought it was nice. I've always thought it was nice to have a paddle out and then dump the ashes with a paddle out. Love it. Uh, but I would love to do it. But I don't... All of my close family and friends do not surf. Right. So that is now my new idea, is that it? you have to paddle out. I'll do it. So however many people show up at my funeral, you're going to have to get on a surfboard. Great. Make it past the break, out to, you know, out to yeah, still water, yeah. and then dump my ashes there, have a high five, and everyone has to surf in. Done. That's, right. I mean, it's e- that's an easy one for me. I, that's a yes automatic for me. <laughs> That'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of people who are just not being able to sit on the board, which uh, I'm going to be excited about. I think I might have told this one, but you just reminded me. I'm pretty sure I told you this in maybe like 2020, but why not say it again? So I had a friend that worked on Tosh.0. Okay. And Tosh is a big surfer. Uh-huh. And he lived down at Hermosa at the time. And... Uh, he told a story that he was out there surfing by himself, as he liked to do sometimes before they would tape or whatever. And he came into the writer's room. He's like, the funniest thing just happened to me. I was surfing out um, in Hermosa by myself, and I see this like young guy uh, like look at him and then start paddling directly towards him. And at this point, Touch One was like the number one show on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge show. Huge. And so he's like, Christ, like he just wanted a moment of Zen. Instead, he's going to have to deal with a fan. This guy paddles like 70 yards over to him. And as he gets up to him, uh, Tosh looks up at him and the guy goes, surfing by yourself? What a fucking loser. And then just catches a wave and surfs away. (laughs) Didn't say, Tosh, I know who you are. (laughs) Just like made fun of this guy for sitting out there by himself (laughs) and paddled on in. That's so funny because this guy was also surfing by himself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Surfing by yourself? Yeah, he might not have cussed actually. He said, surfing by yourself? What a loser. And then just surfed in. I remember I was out uh, like in Malibu, and uh, but not at Malibu, and I was surfing, and I was surfing for probably two hours. Okay. For a full hour, I was pr- I was like, I'm surfing with Woody Harrelson. Like that's amazing. That's cool. Like, here he is. That's a good one. Crazy, and he had like a little group of like guys who were kind of like 
kind of doing kind of a weird half circle yeah to keep people from paddling over to him right and uh and i was like look at that like he <laughs> surfs with like a crew who like make sure people don't bother him. a very woody thing to do and i saw him catch a wave and i was like that that definitely could be woody harrelson like it's he could stand up, but he wasn't like ripping it or anything mm-hmm. like that. And then uh, I get out at the same time as he gets out, and uh, it's just a guy. <laughs> it's just a, just a regular guy <laughs> just a, who's losing his hair. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's Woody Harrelson to me, normal guy who's losing his hair. It was probably it was probably Jeff Bezos in reality. <laughs> All right, want us to tease you into one tease. into some advertisements. A tale of a table that made me question reality. Wow, I'm fascinated. Yep. We will we will get the answer to this mystery when we come back on more opinions. If you skip the call, then maybe check the facts, but you better believe it because it ain't fake news. If you skip the call, then maybe check the facts. Nothing stranger than the truth. Folks, welcome back to Bendianers. Uh Scotty, you got any shout-outs? I have some shout-outs. Um, Sarah wants to shout-out Mike. They moved from Gulf Breeze, Florida, to New York City exactly one year ago, and it's going pretty good. All right. Uh, Gulf Breeze, I, I used to love. You don't speed in Gulf Breeze, Kurt. Lots of speed traps. Okay. They love to pull people over. It's pretty crazy. Allie Dunn is shouting out herself. She started working as a registered nurse. This one's a little old. Sorry, Allie. got buried. She had a crazy 15 months, Curdy B. She took the accelerated nursing program, got married in May, and moved to North Carolina a week later. But Allie is also a day one bananimal. So congratulations. Thank you. Congrats. We love the nurses. We do. My mom was a nurse. We love the nurses. Also, Sarah Nett and Clayton Rowe invited you and me to a wedding in Texas in November. Uh-oh. So we'll have to look at that and see if we can make that work. Um, Jen. Jen wants to shout out Nick. We said no more anniversaries because they just get inundated. Yeah. But they met on Craigslist 12 years ago. On Craigslist oh. misconnections or on Craigslist, like you want to do crazy They didn't shit. say, but Kurt yeah. and I used to do a live show in New York called Night of the Living. Mm-hmm. We did, I don't know, five or seven of them, and it was a great, really fun late night chat show. We had Muppets. We had Carl passed out in front of the desk. It was we had great. Zach Galifianakis, Jenny Slate. I want to post some photos. I think we can post a photo, I think. It was incredible how fun it was, but we used to do a thing called Mixed Connections where Kurt would read real misconnections oh. and people thought we were writing like the best yeah. jokes but they were real brooklyn misconnections we have to dig those up somewhere they were incredible yeah. i used to do it in my stand-up actually um but yeah that was that was so great it was so fun we used to have one thing where it was just like it was just pictures <laughs> and i would be like what was it, it was like i guess what it is or something it was the something on comments or yeah it was something <laughs> Yeah, but that one always crushed. Whatever that bit was, did really good. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least this week, and this is a very good one, and it starts kind of funny. Leo Wrinkleface. <laughs> what? 
which I think is the name of a cat, okay. was to bring awareness to Project Purple. Okay. ProjectPurple.org is focused on curing pancreatic cancer. Great. Still one of the worst cancers we all know. Yeah. I believe Leo Wrinkleface's account is run by Caitlin Krebs, who will be running to raise money for pancreatic cancer and ProjectPurple.org. When this episode comes out, we'll post a link in our stories, and I think I've already made a donation on Banana's behalf, but very cool. Project Purple sounds great, and yeah, we'll post a link if you have five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, make a donation. Do it. Thank you. You got it. We are back on a solo episode. We love the solo episode. You know, congratulations. We started this podcast, Kurt, two and a half years ago. That's right, Zelda. Zelda so doesn't like Zelda wants to talk. Just sniffing the mic. There we go. Started this two and a half years ago. We thought, hey, maybe we'll have 5,000 listeners. Maybe we'll have 10,000. But we've just grown to a place where now we have dozens of people doing door to shore. We're having these great sold out live shows, including Kansas City and Minneapolis. It's really, it's been overwhelming, and thank you guys. It's the best. We love it. So thanks to all the new Bananimals, the day one Bananimals, the brown Animals, the Bane Animals. It means a lot to us. We enjoy making it. All right. Give me that story, Scott. Okay. So normally, we're Strange News, Weird News podcast. This one, though, every once in a while, we take a little trip down Reddit, right? Yeah. So this was sent in by Valerie O'Neill, who's sent in many great stories in the past. It's not a news story, but it is a strange story. Okay, okay. This could take the rest of the episode, by the way. So let's oh, I'm in. dive in. Let me sit. Let me get, let me get comfortable. I was standing for excitement, but I'm ready. A tale of a table that made me question reality. So it's about okay. a server. It's a server or waiter story. Oh, good. Yesterday, a two top. Two people sat themselves in my section at a dirty table. The tablecloth hadn't even been changed. This is. As a former like nine-year waiter, this drives me up the walls. Uh, the people weren't rude exactly. While we resat the table, they asked, where are our menus? The busser, myself, and the host are trying to move around and clearing glasses and plates around them. They acted confused. If anything, like, how dare this table not be ready for us, uh, reserved at a fine dining restaurant. So these people were, did not have a reservation. They just sat down. <laughs> I got their waters. I tried to do my spiel. The whole, these are the chef specials, et cetera, et cetera. And then they interrupted me. Quote, if I order a glass of wine, do I have to pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> End quote. I thought I misheard, so I asked, what do you mean? And they repeated themselves. If I order a glass of wine, do I have to pay for it? <laughs> I said very professionally, yes, it will be on your bill at the end of the dining experience. <laughs> Oh, they said, disappointed and confused. Do I want the burger or the salmon? They said. Um, are you in the red? Are in the mood for red meat or seafood? The burger is garnished with X Y Z and sits between a baked in-house blah blah blah, rich savory flavors. While the salmon is on top of vegetables with this uh, brightly flavored glaze. Again, stares of confusion. Quote. I said to them, I can give you a moment if you'd like to review the menu further. These people just sat down and this has already started. Uh, They said, no, we're ready now. I said, okay, what what would you like? They said, I don't know. (laughs) In my brain right now, I'm just wondering what the fuck is happening. There is no language barrier. There doesn't seem to be a cultural barrier. They aren't acting rude or upset. Just they are confused. They're well-dressed in, in their 40s. They have to have gone to a restaurant before to know how this works. <laughs> oh, man, already. This, this is, is amazing. 
this, this is, is it a, does seem like aliens have just gotten into human being bodies and then walked out into the world to experience it for the very first time. Yes, they're pretending to be humans. Um, the other customer, the other friend actually says, she's asking what you want to order. Okay, all right. So they, uh, she wants me to decide for them. That's actually pretty common. You just need to explicitly say that to me. Like, what should I order? All right. I suggest the salmon then. And for you, quote, I'll have the whatever filet. Absolutely no pink. I repeat back their orders. They agreed. I think I'm in the clear. I'm about to walk away. When one of them says, quote, will you bring us appetizers? (laughs) Of course I will. What would you like? Them not even opening the menu. Chicken wings. (laughs) I apologize because we don't sell chicken wings. (laughs) I suggest X or Y appetizer. We also have a chicken entree that would probably be the closest thing to chicken wings and is an excellent sharing option. Blank stairs. (laughs) What is this experience? Also, bless this server for being so patient. Other friend. She just wants something fast. I explained that our kitchen is a from scratch cr- uh, kitchen. We do all of our appetizers as long as it takes or longer sometimes than the entrees. Even, yes, a well-done steak. I offered to bring them some bread. And again, I repeated their order. Decided on entrees <laughs> only an extra bread. So I bring them two portions of bread. I say, here you are. Uh, our chef freshly bakes bread. Uh, this is whipped butter. Uh, our bread looks exactly like bread. There's no mistaking it for anything else. <laughs> the table looks at me aghast and confused like I messed something up. This is bread, they ask? <laughs> yes. So, this is bread. <laughs> yes, it's our baked in-house bread. At a popular chain restaurant, the bread they serve comes with oil. Why is this not with your bread? It's not as good as their bread. You're right. It is a different bread, I say. Oh my God, <laughs> I'd be amazing. happy to bring you olive oil for dipping. Would you like some olive oil? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you don't have any other bread? Quoting the other restaurant's name. So it's as if they're saying, do you not have O'Charlie's bread? Do you not have Red Lobster's bread? Do you bread? not have Applebee's bread? That's what they're asking. They're, I bet you, I, you know I, whose bread I think it is? I bet you it's Outback Steakhouse's bread. They have good bread? They have good brown bread. Mm. Mm-hmm. Was it a Bavarian wheat? That's, I don't know. I bet it is. I used to have to sell that all the time. They'd say, what is this? I go, it's a Bavarian wheat with honey butter. And they'd be like, oh, it's our favorite bread. <laughs> then they tip 8%. Um, you are right, I said. It is different bread. <laughs> Uh, you sure you don't have their bread Uh, okay if you want their bread maybe you guys should go there yes I'm sure I don't have that bread I apologize is there anything else I can bring you at the moment no they're filled with both disappointment and confusion (laughs) 30 to 40 minutes later the food runner finds me with the blah blah filet in hand they said table 77 said they did not order this I go up to the table. I said, hi, you ordered this filet. Cooked well done, correct? Yes, I ordered the blah, blah filet. I think they're just saying blah, blah for whatever reason. Okay, here's your blah, blah filet. No, 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 no. That is not the blah, blah filet. It doesn't have the... Then she describes a completely different steak with other garnishes and sides. Sides that we do not make or carry. Oh, my God. I mean, I would, as a, ser- as a former server, like little things... 
you, people that order things like chicory coffee, like something where you're like, oh, maybe they sold that before I started working uh-huh. here. Yeah. And you go, I'm sorry, they, we don't have that. And the look of disappointment on people's faces, incredible. <laughs> also, just side note, we had great delivery at this one place and the, they had a separate little area for the delivery person, who whoever was answering the phone. And this one woman who was my absolute favorite there, um, named Pokey. She was a really sweet woman. Pokey, uh, when she started, I was listening to the other person training her, and she's like, and this book, and it was a little album, and it was all the people who they no longer deliver to for various reasons, Whoa. like women who would answer completely naked, uh-huh. men who would refuse to pay. But they had a whole book of like addresses and phone numbers that were do Whoa. not... I would love to have gotten that when I left. Wow. What a coffee table book. Right? The weirdos you deliver to and why we no longer deliver to them. <laughs> I would love to read that coffee table book. Okay. So I apologize. Um, and I say, say, I'm sorry, but you ordered this filet. And I'm sorry, this is not how you envisioned it. However, this restaurant doesn't have the meal you described. <laughs> would you like to enjoy this meal? Or would you like to order something else from our menu? Yes, I want that filet. So now my brain is melting. I feel like I'm losing my grip on reality. (laughs) Am I not communicating properly? Why are me and this table not living in the same reality? And what (laughs) is happening? This is the blah, blah filet, I say, gesturing to the plate in front of her. Oh, no, it's not, she says. (laughs) (laughs) Could this be a bit? Maybe. But this feels like the strangest bit. I know. It really does. Like, there's no win. There's no, like, and it doesn't end with, like, in-camera anything. So, no, it's not. After a few back and forths, she decides that she does not want this filet or to order anything else. She sat and watched her friend eat dinner in record time. Chicken wing lady was really hungry. I drop off the check. I process the card easily. When I see she has finished signing it, I go back to the table and ask, I can take the check presenter if you're all set with it. She then hands it to me untouched, still folded in a cloth napkin. To her credit, both are black and rectangular, but they're so she hands her the cloth napkin, not the checkbook. Okay. This is what they're saying. But there's definitely a texture and weight difference between the materials. So this woman just hands her the napkin. <laughs> this server should be promoted to general manager immediately, immediately. or yeah. tour with like a life coach, because this is incredible. I can clear this napkin for you, ma'am, but may <laughs> but may I have the check presenter? I just gave it to you, she says, with no malice or no anger in her voice. I double-checked, and nope, it's a napkin. <laughs> I eventually get the check. They tip 15%, which was honestly better than I had ever hoped for. They did leave their jacket, no surprises there, with the tags still on them. Of course. They are there. Oh, they are the type of people who wear things and then return them. The whole thing has left me exasperated and bewildered. I'm completely drained. I completely drained my social and emotional battery. I felt like Kate McKinnon in the reenactment of Gaslight Sketch, sketch where he's like, "This is a steak," and she's like, uh, "I'm pretty sure it's a pineapple." That was my night. Incredible. That is so amazing. Incredible. Oh my god! Like horrifying and incredible. Those people are out there. Also, I just okay. So it's first off, they expect that there's free wine. Free, yeah, free wine. Free wine, 
uh, appetizers that just come without you ordering them, and specifically chicken wings, yes. just magically come after you order it. Then they don't recognize the bread. They don't. <laughs> it's bread, and also ask the person to order for them, and then demand that it's not what they ordered. Correct. Then say it's not the same bread as another rival restaurant. <laughs> then say they didn't order what they ordered because they wanted their food as quickly as possible. This is fabulous. It really is. And they tip 15%, which, you know what? It all comes out in the wash. If you tip 15%, all is forgiven. 15% all is forgiven? I feel like 20% all is forgiven. Well, if you're weird, I mean, the kitchen, the the chefs probably hated them for, like, trying to send back food or whatever, but God bless, this server, I mean, whatever the top tier, at least free shift drinks, but, like, come on. (laughs) That patience level is through the roof. (laughs) Oh man, I w- I wish I had that table when I worked at Nifty Fifty Tambers, <laughs> Nifty Fifty Diner in Baltimore, Maryland, the only fifties themed diner that also served Indian food. That was really great Indian food. Oh really? That's yeah. pretty cool. So the whole front of the menu was like a fifties diner, and you would walked into this place, and it was like a set of what a 50 diner is you know it had like the old her hurlwitzer like the oh sure liquid, sure um jukebox jukebox yeah it was all 50s music pictures of elvis big coke signs neon everywhere all red vinyl and then you just flip and it was all just like you want a turkey so you want to you want turkey club you want a steak and you flip it over and there it is just amazing all Indian food. It was great Indian food. I think we must have just aged out of those because they were such a thing, meaning that the people who enjoyed those are too old to go to them anymore because there was a time where so many places were 50-style diners and all the ones in LA, I think, are closed. Well, Fuddruckers in general. Isn't Fuddruckers gener- like a 50s diner? In it somewhere? was, and the one in Burbank closed. I took you and Rob there yeah, once because we that place was, was so fun. It was always empty. The food was great. And then, like I was taught when I worked at the bike doctor, just fill a to-go container and make a giant free salad out of the fixings bar. Yeah. Why aren't that's why Fuddruckers went on. Yeah, I did. Ten salads over 30 years. They just were like, we cannot take this anymore i had kind of the flip experience of this where it was one day i was i think i was in brooklyn and it was me and my friend steve and my friend pat and we sat down and steve and i ordered bloody marys we both ordered bloody marys we're the only people in the restaurant yes and the the waitress like okay and she leaves. And it's no kidding. Because we're the only people in the restaurant, that's the only reason I mentioned this. It was like 15 to 20 minutes. Yes. And drinks have not come out. And we're just like sitting there and we're chatting. We haven't seen each other. Yeah. So we don't even care. Yes. You know? But then at a certain point, it's like, that's kind of weird. And then the drinks come out and she places them down. And one, <laughs> one, is, one is pink mm-hmm. and one is brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just was like, why are these two different colors? <laughs> and she just looked at me like I had like asked the craziest yeah. question ever. Yeah. And without answering, she just turned around and walked away with them. Yes. And then she was gone for like another 10 minutes. And then she came out with them unchanged. Yes. And put them on my table. 
and put them on our table. And I was like, what is happening in the back? What is Ugh. happening in the kitchen? Like, does she, is it just a kitchen filled with aliens, yes. you know? Where she just like walks in and it's just like a giant like ant, <laughs> like just like flipping through Encyclopedia Britannica and like watching old episodes of I Love Lucy trying to figure out like what do humans do <laughs> in restaurants? <laughs> What's new and good? I can remember all my best tables. I can be- remember all the best tippers. I can remember all the celebrities when I was a valet that would tip like LL Cool J came to the River Cafe and he had just gotten a baby powder blue Bentley that day. Wow. And Whoa. he pulls up and he wasn't even eating at our restaurant and but he knew that we had valet so he pulls up and he gets out and he's got like a manager with him not like a security guy or whatever. He's got like an assistant with mm-hmm. him and he's like what's your name? And I'm wearing a white tuxedo top with a bow tie and um and I'm like, my name's Scotty. He goes, Scotty. He's like licking his lips. Like, LL Cool J always licks his lips. And he's like, Scotty, I just bought this Bentley two and a half hours ago. I don't want anybody to look at it. I don't want anybody to breathe on it. If you can take care of it, my boy will take care of you. And he like taps his assistant's chest. Yeah. And so I go, you got it. He gives me the keys. I'm like, I'm, I was like, L, I'll park it right up front yeah. and nobody's going to touch it. Two hours later, his assistant comes back. He's like, oh, it looks great. Thank you. I hand him the keys. He hands me $60, just three $20 bills, gets in and leaves. And after that, I was like, I was listening to LL Cool J for two months after that. I was like, I'm back on the Uncle LL Cool J train. It was so cool and professional. Makai Pfeiffer gave me a big one. Omar Epps gave me a big one. And then once in Pensacola, I was at Bushwhackers, and there was this couple, and I was in the weeds. I was like seven tables of beach people, summer vacationers, people from Alabama ordering well-done steaks, and they don't want broccoli. They want everything else. And you're like, okay. And this couple that look kind of chic and cool sit down, late 40s, and the guy goes, Scotty, we own a restaurant um, here. This is for you. Hands me a $50 bill before the meal even starts. He goes, we're going to be here for a couple hours. We're going to order lots of food. We're going to order lots of drinks. If you can let us know what the best stuff on the menu is, we'll take care of it at the end. And at the end, they gave me another 100. And they ordered like lobster. They ordered like prime rib. They ordered probably six drinks each. They were just on this date night. They were restaurateurs, and they were the best. They were the coolest. So, yeah, $150 tip on probably um, maybe like, I don't know, down there is pretty cheap, $120 meal. Wow. Maybe more. But then they told the general manager when they were leaving that it was the best service they'd ever had, that it was one of the best meals they'd ever had. And so the general manager came over and I got to eat upstairs at the fine dining restaurant for free the next night. What? Coolest. That's so cool. Cool. I didn't get their names. I could remember their faces, but it was the most. So when this is Bushwhackers, they're eating at Bushwhackers. They're eating downstairs at Bushwhackers. Bushwhackers. Hold up. Bushwhackers. Bushwhackers has <laughs> lobster oh. and steak. We had lobster fest every year at, during the what was known as the gay weekend this down is there. Breaking my brain about bushwhackers. Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. It was a big gay weekend. All a lot of gay men, mostly gay men from Atlanta, and uh, you know, running from all the red states down to Pensacola, take over Pensacola Beach. Beautiful. It's fabulous. So all the managers put all the. I was probably nineteen at the time. All the cute guys yeah. out on the best seats. So the waterfront seats, the best sections all go to the cute guys. Yeah. And we know it and they know it and everybody knows it. And you just get hit on. But people, you can get a one pound lobster, you get andouille sausage, you get red potatoes, you get half a corn on the cob, all for twenty four ninety nine. And so you'd sell just bags and bags of lobsters. This is a lobster boil. It's yeah. incredible. And we would make 
$1,000 every two nights. You'd make $500 a night in the good section. And this is like in the early 2000s. This was 2001. Wow. 2001 or 2002. And it was like, I meant- the heyday right before 9-11. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) pre-9-11. Nothing can go wrong in the world. Innocent as a country, Scott. He's making 500 bucks a night, getting hit on. Yeah, going to up to tables, which this is not- Blasted lobsters and people. Yeah, just getting flirted with, flirting with. There was one table of, I'm going to assume, and you should never assume this life, of gay men, because it was during that weekend, they were wearing- uh, uh, navy whites, but mm-hmm. they were cropped at the Beautiful. chest. Uh, awesome. Small navy yes. caps yes. on the sides awesome. of their head. Uh, navy white booty shorts. Oh, I love um, so I'm just going to guess that they were partners or having a fun weekend. They were down for the festivities. But those guys would tip like 80 bucks. Like they were so great. But yeah, the, I had never had $1,000 in my life ever because I was yeah. 19. Yeah. And then I made like two grand in a week during so Lobster crazy. Fest. Yeah, it was the best. Uh it was great. But yeah, this one table, I'll never forget him. It was the most like classy, suave, sophisticated thing to be like, we're going to hold this table for a few hours. Yeah. Here's 50 bucks. And like normally people down there tip 10%. So it was incredible. Oh, I love that. I've never heard of tipping before it all starts. If you're going to hold a table, if you and I, you, me, go out, we're going to celebrate somewhere. Um, and it's table service. And we're right? going to be there all night. If you go, we're going to hold this table, and you can think, to what would two or three rounds of this table getting sat cost over the course of the night? And you go, here's $100. Yeah. We're celebrating. I think it's like, I do it at weddings now. When I go, I'm going to go to a wedding at the Bananas. Julie and Ryan is two days from now. But you walk up to the open bar mm-hmm. bartender, and you hand him a $20, $20 bill at bill. the stop of the night. And I go, I'm going to be drinking all night. This is my date. And they find drinks for you. Yeah. You walk up to that crowded bar and one slides right in front of you all night. Yep. No, I've done that many times. It's the it best does, move in the biz. Work. It does like work. It yeah. All right. You want to, I'll, I'll put us home. I'll, I'll send us home with this one. Yeah, baby. Here it is. Zelda, you did a this good job. This was sent in by thousands of bananas. <laughs> I already know which one it's going to be. Well, you. Uh, there's two that were, were sent in by a lot. It, this is not the... Um, Dildos and lubes <laughs> spewed all over. Is the this highway. the chess player one? It is not the chess. Wow! It's not the chess player. Anal who's beads, chess been player being controlled by anal beads. <laughs> <laughs> what a podcast! It is the third one. The, yeah, this I, it is a great podcast where all we we just get sent thousands. It's like the repetitiveness of like having to have a joke for a, a, ro, a robotic anal beads that gives a chess player information from an AI yes. about how to play chess. Yes, I made so many Queen's Gambit jokes, it's unthinkable. I'm like, no, that's a Queen's Gambit. Did anybody order Queen's Gambit? I think I just kept saying, like, a butt robot that controls a man? We're in. <laughs> we love uh, it. Keep that sending. one was a huge one. Then another one was, um, it was literally a semi-truck Filled with lube and dildos, and dildos, and it jackknifed and and spewed dildos and lube across. Great the story. Highway. Great story. Um, no, this is runaway chimpanzee returned to <laughs> oh, Ukrainian bicycle. zoo on a bicycle. <laughs> yes, we did get this one a lot. <laughs> yeah, they put it a rain jacket on and put it on a bike and walked it back to the uh, to a Ukraine zoo. It is exactly the video is crazy. I have to post the video. Katie, please remind me to post the video. It is so this chimpanzee ran away and then they were like following him throughout the the city 
and he would like see them and then they would come close and then he would like run away a little yeah. bit. And then this woman finally gets down on her knees and takes, uh, she has a jacket for him because it starts to rain and it's How a rain jacket. cool are people sometimes? Exactly. And then this chimpanzee just like is like, oh yeah, it's raining. Walks right up to her, puts the rain Aww. jacket on and it's like this beautiful and they have a hug and then it cuts to... <laughs> The best part is the video that just cuts to a monkey riding a bicycle in the rain back to wherever he needs to go. Simply incredible. Uh, this was, uh, the, uh, you know, I, I'll give credit to Stars and Stripes. Stars and Stripes. I'm reading it four or five times a day. It's by Lyric Lee. Oh, it's actually, uh, it was originally posted, Washington Post, September 7th, 2022, by Lyric Lee. Lyric Lee. Great name. Amazing name. Lyric Lee. Wow, beautiful. Uh, yeah, Chi Chi the Chimpanzee escaped Monday from Kharkiv Zoo and roamed the streets of the northeastern Ukrainian city for hours. She kept a distance from keepers who were following her. Aww. All that sort of stuff. Little, the taste of freedom. Um, yeah. I, I pretty much told you the whole story. Chichi we'll was then wheeled back on a zookeeper's bicycle. The zoo's director, Olyaskev Grigoriev, told Ukrainian public nice. broadcaster Suspolin that the chimpanzee was returned safely to its enclosure and is in good health. We're happy you're, you're back there. Humans taking care of animals. We're always here for it. I want to say... Let's make sure to include all three of those stories that we just quickly summed up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we post this on Instagram, just remind us to do that, Katie, please. Keep sending those stories to the <laughs> Bananas Podcast. Oh, it's Zelda's kid. What, are you going to say goodbye, Zelda? <laughs> there we go. Keep sending those stories to the Bananas Podcast or the Bananas Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting them. Don't think, you know, because we make fun of getting thousands of the same story that we don't want to know, but we do love local stories and we do love stories from around the world. So mm -hmm. keep sending them from around the world. Thank you to Karen Kilgariff and our other benevolent overlord, Georgia Hardstark, everybody at Exactly Right. And thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Scotty. And thank you to Katie Levine, our wonderful producer, and Lisa Maggot, our very real human intern. Full human intern, Bananas. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas! Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.